Amen. He is our King of kings. He is our Lord of lords. And praise God, one day he's coming back soon to take us to the place that he went away to prepare over 2,000 years ago. You have your Bibles this morning. Turn to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 8 as we're talking about stumbling in a darkened world. This is our last of the series on this uh, idea that, uh, of stumbling in the darkness. And today I want to see what happens when the people of God, the children of God, those who are supposed to be shining a light into the darkened world, fail to do so. Today we're going to look at the ruin uh, of a nation. The ruin of a nation. You know, in our base text, John chapter 11, verse 10, you know, Jesus said, but if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there's no night, a light within him. Folks, I'm afraid that there's a lot of people who call themselves believers. I believe there's a lot of people who call themselves, quote, Christians who are walking in the darkness rather than lighting the path for the lost to see their way to heaven. Imagine walking into a pitch dark room. A room where there's no windows, a room where there's no lamps, a room where there's no light of any kind. And as you're in this pitch dark room, you light a single candle. Well, when you light that candle, it does you know, shine a light in front of you. It, you begin to see some things in front of you. Now, imagine someone else joins you, and they too light a candle. As they light their candle, it even illuminates more of the room. Now if you can picture, you know, uh, 10 people, you know, 20 people, 50 people in this room lighting up a candle. When they light that candle, when 50 people are in a room and they light their candle, let me tell you something, you can see everything that is in the room. You know, the more you have with a candle in front of them, the more darkness that is dispelled in that room. This world in which we live, folks, is that darkened room. To narrow it down, this nation that we live in is that dark room. Narrowing it down even further, this state that we live in is that darkened room. And even further, this community in which we live in is that darkened room. Look, that room is the spiritual dark world in which we live. And Paul wrote that we were once in darkness. Now what Paul meant by that is prior to coming to Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we was part of that darkness. But Paul says, no longer are you once you uh, accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior now because you have the light, Jesus Christ within you. Look, our responsibility, folks, is not simply to defend ourselves. Our responsibility as children of God is to invade Satan's kingdom with the light of the glory of God. Some people say, well, we're Christians, we just kind of got to stand back and, you know, we got to be nice, we got to be gentle, hogwash. Folks, our responsibility is to invade the kingdom of Satan with the light that Jesus has entrusted to us. But as I look around at the Christian community today, I see a bunch of passive people, people afraid to speak out, people afraid they're going to hurt someone's feelings. Folks, that's, 
That's not what God expects of us as his people. Now today I want to examine what happens when the people of God fail to light up the darkness of the nation in which they live with the light of Jesus Christ. And when it comes to history, there's one thing we must do is learn from it. Let me say that again. When we understand history, the thing we must do is learn from it. When we see the mistakes that are made throughout history and we do not learn from others' mistakes, we in turn wind up making the same mistakes. And when we do, there's no excuse for it. So today I want us to examine the mistake of Judah. As they failed to stand for God and righteousness, thereby they allowed sin to run rampant within the nation and as a result faced the judgment of God. Isaiah 3.8. Look at these sad words this starts with. For Jerusalem is ruined. Now think about that. Jerusalem, the capital of the people of God, Isaiah said it's ruined. Let's read on. And Judah has fallen. Now why did they, why was they ruined? Why had they fallen? He goes on. Because their tongue and their doings are against the Lord. To provoke his eyes, the eyes of his glory. Folks, there were some sad words. And let's don't forget, this is Judah. This is the people of God. And he's saying they're ruined. Not only are they ruined, they have fallen. And the reason they are ruined and fallen because their tongue and their doings went totally away from God. It went totally opposite of what God expected of them. As I look at Christianity in the United States of America, folks, it scares me to death. Because I see the same thing happening to Christianity in the United States of America today that we see happen to Judah back in these days because our tongues and our doings are totally against the Lord. Let, let, let's, let's get started in this. First of all, sin will bring ruin to any nation. Look, whether you want to, uh, to look at what you would call evil people like those of Sodom or, or righteous people like the people here of Judah, there's one thing that's going to destroy both, that will destroy both, folks, and that is sin left unchecked. Now, here in this passage, we see two things that led to judgment coming upon the people of Judah, the people of God, and as a result, things that led to the judgment brought complete destruction upon the capital of Jerusalem. Now, as we read this verse, one thing seems to jump out at me, and I'm going to say it again, that one thing is Jerusalem is ruined. Folks, that's not just like, you know, ruining your eggs because you fried them too long. This is serious stuff. The people of God, are facing ruin. The people thought Jerusalem could never be ruined. After all, the mountains was around about her, and the old psalmist, you know, they spoke about how those mountains signified the security and the righteousness of, of, of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem could never be ruined. 
look, as beautiful as, as it was, those mountains that surrounded Jerusalem, beauty in and of itself is no protection. I firmly believe that to America, our mountains that are surrounding us, that we're looking at and saying we cannot be destroyed because of this, is the wealth and the material possessions of this nation. Now, as we examine this first, there's two things that brought ruin to Jerusalem and the people of Judah in spite of what they thought would protect them. The first thing is the conversations that consumed them were against the Lord. When was the last time you just sat in a restaurant or something and listened to the people behind you talk? Was there conversation about the Lord or was there conversation about what they'd done the night before or what they're going to do tonight? which wasn't go to church, by the way. Look, it says because their tongues are against the Lord. Their tongue was against the Lord. They had contradicted his prophets. They knew what the prophets said. They knew what the prophets taught, but they still contradicted what the prophets had to say. Isaiah is pointing out that the things they spoke about most were not things of God, rather things of this world, about other gods, about sin, and about the sin that attracted them. Now, the second thing we see that they talk about here is the things that were involving themselves in. They, the things they were involving themselves in was against the Lord. That's why he says, and their doings are also against the Lord. Look, their doings were no better than what they were saying, and their actions followed their talk. Now, here's something we must understand. That we allow ourselves to talk about will become reality in our actions at some point. Let me say that again. Those things we allow ourselves to talk about will become reality in our actions before long. You will be what you talk about. Now, look at this. It was action of their sins that caused God's eyes to fall upon them. And as a result, they provoked him to his face knowing the sins that they had involved themselves in were dishonoring God look if you're a true child of God and you're involved in some habitual sins today and you're a true child of God the Holy Spirit of God is going to let you know that the things you're involved in are dishonoring And if the Holy Spirit of God lets you know these things are dishonoring God and you ignore that, then you're thumbing your nose in the face of God. And you're doing like the first uh, part there says, you're causing God's eyes to fall upon you. Look, not only were they passing things through their lips, dishonoring God, but their words soon turned to actions. And now, not only were they saying and dishonoring God, but now the things that they were involving themselves in brought dishonor to him also. Look, some people think there's nothing wrong with talking about something as long as they don't go through with it. But the problem with that, that way of thinking is that history shows us the things we talk the most about usually translates into our actions. Look, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Isaiah tells us that clearly this was the reason for the ruin of Judah. The prophet, you know, the prophet goes right past all the accidents and the natural uh, events to fix, 
and fixes on the moral cause of their ruin. Look, a nation is bad at its core when it can doubt and dishonor God. You see, the children of God faked or, or, or failed to be righteous before God, and it turned into sin. Now, what's that got to do with us today? What can we learn from history? As I said at the beginning, if we, if, if, we, if we know history and we learn from history, you know, then we shouldn't make the same mistakes. What is the relevance for the United States of America today? What can we draw from the mistakes of Judah that possibly, and I say possibly with a capital P, could save the United States of America from ruin? Look, because history shows that no nation that dishonors God can stand very long, I think it's important for the people of God, those of us who are the light of Christ, really take a hard look at where we are as the people of God and where we are as a nation. Look, any nation that dishonors God, he will surely arise to vindicate himself and bring judgment upon that nation say that again any nation that dishonors God he will surely arise to vindicate himself and bring judgment to that nation listen let me give you some news here this morning God has not wrapped himself in the American flag to close his eyes to the sin of this nation trust me on that Jerusalem was ruined, and if America doesn't turn from the sin, if America doesn't turn from their wicked ways, we too are going to experience the same ruin that Judah and Jerusalem did. Look, we must understand that, that God does not just wink at sin, folks. <coughs> God does not say, well, I understand they're just human. I understand that's just their nature. No, folks, God does not wink. At sin. We cannot as a nation continue to thumb our nose in the face of God and think that nothing is going to happen. Paul made it clear when he told the church at Galatia, Be not deceived. God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Look, whether an individual or a nation, trust me, you will reap what you sow. Isaiah was clear that their tongues and their actions provoked the eyes of God's glory. And as I look around at our nation today, I see far more darkness than I do light, far more sin than I do righteousness, far more ungodliness than I see godliness in the lives of those who call themselves Christians of or, uh, people of light. Not in the lost, you expect that. But I see far more darkness, far more unrighteousness, far more ungodliness in the lives of those who would pooch out their chest and say, I'm a Christian. Well, if you are, live like it. If not, you're going to provoke God to judgment upon you. And if not, you're going to provoke judgment of God upon this nation as a whole because I think that's where this nation as a whole is. Look, when man feels free to do what he likes, his likes will surely turn to evil. Why? Because of that sinful nature that is within us. 
you know, in word and in action, we're breaking the laws of God, and by doing so, we're insulting God, and judgment will fall upon us if we do not repent. Where are those who would take a stand and say, enough is enough? Where are those who would say, I'm tired of riding the fence and trying to please and trying not to offend those of the world rather than being fully devoted to my Lord? Where are those who would say, you know, I'm tired of keeping my mouth shut, you know, as my friends and my co-workers blaspheme and curse my Lord and Savior? Where are you at? Where are children of light that would say, this is evil? We're children of the light that says this is a sin against God. Where are we at? Children of light must stand and band together and return this nation to one nation under God. And that will not happen if we're not fully committed to God. Remember, Jerusalem was ruined and Judah fell because their tongues and their doings were against the Lord. You know, this November is the, is the midterm. And if we elect leaders whose tongues and actions are against the Lord, folks, listen, they are going to lead this nation farther away from the Lord, and we're going to experience ruin as a nation and bring judgment, the judgment of God upon us. Let, let, me just, let me just pause right here for a moment. Explain what I think, what I feel happened in 2016. Now, I'll be honest with you, I didn't vote for Donald Trump in 2016. I thought he was a heathen. I thought he was a wretched man. Now, supposedly he got saved after he was elected. You know, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know about that. But all I knew is he was involved in some evil things. So I didn't vote for him. I'm not going to vote for someone who doesn't claim to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Because what am I doing? I'm putting, some, I'm putting an evil person in office. Supposedly he got saved. James Dobson, which, you know, I believe everything about James Dobson. He said he was there when Trump asked Jesus into his heart, and that's fantastic. I'm glad he did. But, you know, all through the Old Testament, we see times that God used the wicked leaders to bring about what God wanted for our nation. And I think that's the very thing that happened in 2016. God used a lost person. Because God had a plan for 2022. And I believe that plan for 2022 was to overturn Roe versus Wade. The only way that got overturned this past week is because of three Supreme Court justices that guess who put in? Donald Trump. I firmly believe God used this lost person to come in office for only four years to appoint three people that would bring about God's will in 2022. I think, I praise God for the six that had enough courage to vote to do that. Here's my point in that. I believe God is saying to America in 2022, I'm giving you one more chance. I'm overturning this evil. I'm overturning this evil. 
And there's another evil that we need to overturn is same-sex marriage. And one of the justices said that might be the next thing they take up. So I think God is looking at the United States of America. He's seen the evil of us killing over 4,000 babies a day, you know, for all those years. He used Trump to put him in office to put three Supreme Court justices that God knew would overturn this in 2022. And God's saying, I'm giving you one more chance, America. You've done this evil for so many years. Now there's a chance for God's people to stand up and say enough's enough and try to overturn the evil that has been put in place by the evil leaders that have been in Washington, D.C. for all these years. But are we going to do that? Or are we going to say, well, we'll let God take care of that? No, folks. As I said a while ago, our responsibility is to storm the kingdom of Satan with the light of Jesus Christ to shine the light on what's evil in this nation, to shine the light on the evil that's going to ruin this nation if we don't take a stand for righteousness. Look, two things that the ungodly leaders bring upon a nation. Now, looking at history, we can see at least two things that happened when the speech of the people turned into action. The first thing is, and as we look at these, I want you to just ask yourself, are we there yet as a nation, Okay. Are we there yet as a nation? First of all, the nation will experience national rebellion. Hmm. Are we there as a nation? Are we there as a nation? Look, so goes the leader, so goes the nation. The truth can clearly be seen in the last two years. We, ha we have had one of the most anti-Christian and divisive presidents in Joe Biden since Barack Hussein Obama. And I look at our nation as a result of these two ungodly, anti-God, divisive leaders, and I see, folks, God had to turn his back on us. Look, the results are found in the rebellion among many races within our nation and also the national rebellion against the, you know, what, uh, 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 against the Lord among us. <laughs> Think about this. All these people you're seeing on TV right now, who are protesting the decision of the Supreme Court of the United States of America. You know what they are actually protesting? They are actually protesting because they say babies should be killed in the womb of a mother. They are actually standing out on the street saying, why you take that right away to kill babies? They are actually protesting because they do not want babies to live. Now, you, you look at that and you say, well, why would somebody do that? You tell me. Other than the fact they're evil people. Whoa, pastor. Are you saying all those people out protesting that are evil? Yes, I am. If you're going to protest that it's wrong to kill a baby in the womb of its mother, you are an evil person, period. And I won't back down from that. A nation will experience national rebellion. We have people rebelling right now because six guys in a black robe finally done the right thing. Their tongue and their doings are against the Lord to provoke 
the eyes of his glory. Sin both in word, sin in deed, brings down a right, the righteous indignation of God. And under his judgment and penalty of our iniquity, it's going to be paid. Now, three signs seen in the loss of all fitting leaders. Go back up to verse 1 in our scripture text here in, in, in uh, Isaiah. Verse 1 through 3, here's what he says. For behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, doeth take away from Jerusalem and Judah. Now, this is because they're being punished. This is because judgment is coming upon them. Here's what he says is going to be taken away from them, okay, as a result of his judgment. The stay and the staff. I'm going to explain that in a moment. He says the whole stay of bread and the whole stay of water. Not only that, the mighty men will be taken away. The man of war will be taken away. The judge and the prophet and the prudent and the ancient, the captain of 50 and the honorable men are all going to be taken away. And the counselor and the cunning artificer and the adequate orator. All of these are going to be taken away from Judah because of the sin of the nation. You see, this judgment, he says, would include the stay and the staff. What he's talking about there is, you know, the whole bread, as he says, and the whole stay of water, bread and water being the stay and the staff of man's life. Therefore, God would take away everything that they depended upon to sustain life. Hmm. When's the last time you bought a loaf of bread or a gallon of milk? It's getting to where we can't even afford it. And let's don't even go talk about gas, okay? Look at here. God would take away everything that sustains life. Also, we see that no longer are those capable of ruling. Don't miss this. Those capable of, capable of ruling will be found in positions of authority. That's what he's saying there. Those who are capable would no longer be in those positions of authority. In other words, you know, it will get impossible to find capable leaders. Hmm, we there yet as a nation? Are capable leaders easily found? Look, the incapable will be elevated to high offices, is what he's saying. That's why he says there, and I will give children, and <laughs> don't miss this, this is funny to me. I will give children to be their princesses, and babes shall rule over them. Hmm. Think about that one for a moment. Those who would now hold high office of state are those utterly incompetent to fill the position they have accepted. Does that sound like some politicians in Washington today? Does that sound like someone in the White House today as far as that goes? Children and babes who are incapable of leading the nation. I think we can check that one off right there. Okay, I think that's one we can say we're there already. Okay, the next thing would be disrespect will be present all around us. Disrespect. Look what he says in verse 5. And the people shall be oppressed, everyone by another, and everyone by his neighbor. 
the child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient. Now, what he's talking about there is simply the child is going to be disrespectful to the older people. Hmm. Hmm. Of course, children aren't disrespectful to the elderly people today, are they? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Let, let, let's read on there. He says, uh, they're going to, uh, the child shall himself proudly against the ancient, the elders, and base disregarded against the honorable. Look, instead of doing that which is right as between man and man, Everyone seeks to overreach his neighbor, fraud and violence, and, and the rule rather the, is the rule rather than exception. And instead of the natural submission of the younger people to the elder, there's nothing but disrespect and pride. Now, if you don't believe the children have no respect for the elder people, their elders, not, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about old people, I'm talking about their elders then I would suggest you volunteer to be a substitute teacher at LISD or Huntington ISD, okay? And you'll find out real quick that, hmm, this is another one we can put a check mark by. We're there. Two out of three, we're there as a nation. Now, what's the other one? Verse 6 and 7, the absence of unselfish patriotism. That's where all of this leads. Look here. When a man shall take hold of his brother and of his, the house of his father, saying, Thou hast clothing, be thou our ruler, and, and, and let this ruin be under thy hand. In that day shall he swear, saying, I will not be a healer, for in my house is neither bread nor clothing. Make me not a ruler of the people. You know, and another way of saying that, I... I, I, I is this i paraphrase this for you here here's the way i see this one brother will grab another and say you look like you've got a head on your shoulders do something get us out of this mess and he'll say me not me i don't have a clue don't put me in charge of anything look those who are in position to render help will refuse to do so willingly excluding themselves from lifting a finger to help. In other words, no patriotism whatsoever for their nation. It's sad when people are not willing to step up and do what's best for their nation. Where is the pride for America? Where is the patriotism for America? Over the past few years, we've seen patriotism of this great nation disappear to the point that other nations are looking at us in disgrace. Where were the people of God when all these, these, I better watch what I say, hadn't I? All these sorry, no good NFL players and NBA players and MBL players were kneeling when the national anthem was played. Is that patriotism? No. They're thumbing their nose in the face of this great nation. And you know what? Some of the people of God had no problem with that well Isaiah says that was part of the problem in Judah patriotism was no longer look 
the least the children of light should be doing is taking a stand for righteousness. The least the children of God should be doing is, is, is that we elect leaders who themselves are children of light, those who are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, those who would stand boldly and say, I am a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and on this day, I, you know, tell, tell, give his testimony. At this place, I confess to God that I was a sinner, and I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins come into my heart and and I committed my life to him folks that's the type of politicians the people of light should be voting for but you know what a lot of people of the light vote for is somebody that'll say vote for me and I'll be sure you get all these goodies you're entitled to this stuff and if you put me in the office you know I'll give you everything you're entitled to whether you know Christ is your personal Savior, no, that don't matter. Look at what you're going to get. People of God, wake up. If a person cannot or will not, you know, get, you know talk about their, their faith and, and their belief in Jesus Christ, we as people of light should never vote for that person no matter what they offer you. Because if they're having to offer you something to get your vote, that there should click and say something ain't right here. Something's not right here. Look, let me, let me just conclude with this. Though this is not a presidential election year, we're going to be electing congressmen, senators, governors, different state offices, mayors, so on and so forth. And it's just as important for children of the light to come out of hiding and have your say-so about the future of this great nation. Church, if we do not begin shining a light on the evil of this nation, America will be in ruin. you just seen the three things I mentioned there. We've done struck all three of them, haven't we? All three of them. All three of those right there. Right now, we're incapable of uh, elevating somebody to high office because they're not there. There's disrespect all around us, not just with young people to old people, but, you know, black and black, white and white, all this stuff. There is no respect of persons any longer. And then the third thing was the absence of unselfish patriotism. Folks, we've hit all three as a nation. And if the children of light, and again, I think that God has given us one more chance with this overruling this past week. God is saying, now here's what I can do. Here's what I can do. But it's going to take people of light coming out from these walls, folks, and shining a light on the evil that's around us. Children of light have, have, a, have a choice to make. You know, in the 2020 election, when um, the child we have in the White, off, uh, White House right now, okay, when he was elected, over 50% of people who call themselves evangelical Christians stayed home and didn't vote. Think about that. They didn't vote. And if a person tells me in one breath, yeah, I, I just didn't get out and vote in 2020, I didn't like nobody that was running, and then right in the next breath they start complaining about something, I'd just shut them up right quick. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it at all. 
you didn't have enough concern to go vote. I don't want to hear you complaining about high gas prices, high food prices, or, you know, anything else. And I don't. I'll shut you up right quick. <laughs> you know, you say, you're hard, Pastor. Yeah. Ask anybody that knows me, they'll tell you that. Look, as a result of over 50% of evangelicals staying home in 2020, Joe Biden, we got, who outside of Barack Hussein Obama is the worst president in our nation's history when it comes to religious freedoms, both social and physical concerns, he has led the fight to violate God's word on the sanctity of human life concerning the killing of innocent babies through this ungodly act of abortion. He has fought to violate God's word on the sanctity of marriage between one man and one woman. He has done everything he can to put a stop to religious liberties. And as children of light, we must not stay home this time. As children of light, we must involve ourselves in the process. As children of light, we must, we must not elect men and woman, women who are not themselves a child of the light if there's ever any hope of a returning this nation to one nation under God. Are we going to allow our tongue and our actions to provoke God's eyes to judgment? thereby bringing this great nation to ruin? Or will we shine our light on the darkness that has many blinded to the judgment that's to come? That choice is yours. That choice is mine. That choice is ours. Look, remember the darkened room we spoke up at the beginning of this lesson? Five people with candles, ten people with candles, twenty, fifty. Remember that? The more you have with a candle in front of them, the more darkness that is going to be dispelled from the room, from this nation. The United States of America is that dark room. The question is, how many children of the light are going to be willing to light a candle in order to shine a light on the darkness of this nation? Can you be counted on? Can you be counted on? Look, as bad as things are right now, don't miss this. As bad as things are right now, they're not at their very worst. You think things are bad now? You, as the old saying goes, you ain't seen nothing yet. There remains a darker and sadder catastrophe that will complete the destruction of the children of light if the children of light do not rise up and turn back our nation from the evil and the ruin that it is headed for. You call yourself a child of the light? Are you living that way seriously? Let's begin to get serious. Are we really living like children of the light? Or are we in darkness and walking like the lost of the world? Only you know the answer to that question. Are you here today and you never invited Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? If that's the case, you are in darkness. And you're part of the problem in our nation. But you can come to the light. You can come to the light. If you only will.
We're going to give you an opportunity here this morning to accept Christ. We're going to have a song of invitation here just in a moment. And if you're not saved, we want to invite you to come. Let, it, let us show you what it means to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Child of God, you may be saved, but you know you're not shining your light. Why not get down at this altar and make a fresh commitment to God this morning? Let's pray.